This is the Enthusiasts Guild, a place for conversations about wonderful and interesting things with the people who enjoy them. I'm Fletcher C. Finch. I'm Adam Zremski. And our guest today is Dan Kaufman. How's it going? Good. Today we're going to be talking about Batman the Animated Series. Excellent. But before we talk about that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Logan of Buffalo. You know, I grew up in Alma, New York, right here. Comic book nerd, uh, food lover, all things creative, kind of, you know, I was an art major, wanted to be a cartoonist and just found myself kind of going through life just doing other things. And all my life, it's kind of been master of none kind of scenario of just do what you love and kind of just enjoy life. Through all of that, you've you've kept your love of animation and drawing and so, comics. At some point. Somehow it all came together. Uh, college uh, associate degree of fine arts. From there, I went on to actually a bachelor's of photography. And then off of that, I was actually certified for film and animation and visual effects and for film and animation. Uh, when I was a child and a teenager, I, always, I my dream job was to actually just continuously draw cells for Warner Brothers and like do the old style almost flip book style, uh, just Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck cartoons. That's what I wanted. I, you know, just some, for some reason, just tedious, like not even like, I don't even want to create the character. I just enjoyed it. It was just some way to just exp like, just to get it out. And I loved that style. Okay. Through high school, everything started to go digital. I started messing with like, you had to mess with Photoshop. You had to get tablets, you, you know, and it's just the way the industry went. It's easier, it's less time-consuming when you have a file that you can kind of bring up or you can immediately manipulate and not have to worry about it rather than have to sit there and hand-draw. But at the same time, it took something away from me. I, I liked having that pencil in my hand. I liked I liked the smell of the eraser. I, I loved all that. That's That's the thing that kind of drove me. And so through college, I remember being there and every teacher I had, and I probably chose the wrong degree of fine arts, but every teacher I had was abstract art, abstract art, abstract art, throw paint on a wall, very critical of why is this this way? Why is, I'm like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the artist. It's, it's my work. Like, mm -hmm. Did you get any sense of enjoyment out of it? That's all I'm aiming for. And I just felt more teared down. And I realized, and what would happen is I'd be in my art courses. And as soon as I was done with them and I had any free time between classes, I'd be in an art studio. I'd have a completely different sketchbook and I'd still be drawing comic books. And I was like, these characters are mine. I get to decide what they do where they go, who they are, where I want to take my story. And it's my creation. Whoever sees it, whoever reads it, I hope you enjoy it. If not, it's still mine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no one gets to judge it. I'm happy with what I did. Batman the Animated Series. 1992 is when it started. September 5th. When did you first encounter it? Oh, man. So I was probably about six years old when that show aired. Um, are we going Batman as a whole or just both. the animated series? So I think I actually, I think if I have to go back, 
I recognized the animated series before I actually got into the comic books. The animated series, I mean, every kid. You got ho- out of school, got home. Yeah, maybe your mom made you do homework. But most of the time for me, like that block after I'm three to five cartoons. It was throw my book bag down, grab a snack. I'm planting myself in front of the TV set. I'll do my homework later or coerce my mom and and dad to be like, oh, it's fine. I don't have a book report due for several days or something like that. And I just would watch cartoons. When we were preparing for this recording, I was thinking back on that. And there are episodes that I can recall quite clearly that I have not seen since they aired when I was a kid watching them after school. (laughs) When I was... I want to say when media play closed. I'm going back that far, so I think. Um, I remember going through the DVDs and the box sets, and I came across seasons one and two of Batman the Animated Series, and I saw it, and I immediately just jumped on it, and I was like, I'm taking these. These are mine. And I don't think I had watched the show since I was probably six or eight, and... They always did reruns or they just adapted and they changed throughout times and things like that when I was a kid. But there was something nostalgic about that Batman. That this, when people, when I meet another nerd, a geek, an enthusiast, a comic book lover, and you go through that list of, oh, well, who's your favorite Batman? My immediate response, and I'll just say to them, like, Kevin Conroy. And a lot of people will just look at me and just go, who the heck are you talking about? And I have to look at them. I'm like, Kevin Conroy, that is my Batman. That is the voice. That is the only thing I hear when I read a comic book of his. When I see a movie, like I'm waiting for someone to almost hit this cadence that he provided to the show. It wasn't 1960s Adam West. It wasn't... Christian Bale gravitas stones in the throat he somehow pulled off this voice that you had you split the characters Bruce Wayne and Batman when he was Bruce Wayne he seemed like a normal person when he put on that cape and cowl you could see, like, yeah, I'd be terrified of this. Why, why is there, okay, there's a man in a costume in a dark alleyway that's skulking, and it, he's he, you're saying less, and it's affecting me more. And, and that's what I loved about it. And the classic villain for Batman, the Joker, the 50-50 split, it's Mark Hamill. Star Wars, so many, I'm like, I can't. I don't have a Luke Skywalker. I'm not a giant Star Wars fan. And when he speaks, I hear the Joker. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's that, weird because I don't like having watched Star Wars over the years. I don't. I don't hear it, but I love the Joker that he does. It's and it's I, iconic. Yeah, I saw someone say online that it was just they were amazed by the fact that he created, you know, or not created, but he was Luke Skywalker, an iconic character. He was also. The Joker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another, for people who know it, an iconic iconic character. And it's just very impressive to have that type of a career to build on that. So Kevin Conroy's Batman, I think, is interesting because it's definitely, it's his own take on the character. Visually, the character design is comic-y. It's pretty simplified. It and is. Very iconic in terms of it looks like the iconography that you would expect for Gray, Batman. Gray, black, yellow. 
and that's it. <laughs> the voice work, I think if people are used to the Christian Bale Batman, it's not quite that gravelly. It's not quite that um, self-serious. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a bit more levity to it sometimes. Not all the time. He's often very dark. I think when you play Batman, or at least for the actors, I think the thing that fans always have a hard time with is they always hit one or the other. You have an actor, they're either a great Bruce Wayne or they're a great Batman. The crossover between them sometimes doesn't always play into it. And, like, and for me, Christian Bale was a better Bruce Wayne. Okay. Physically, I loved the, the all the aesthetics of what he was doing. But for some reason, when he acted it out, it just didn't hit that same thing with me. I think there were better... Uh, supporting actors that really moved that story along alone. Kevin Conway, I think the fact that he was, it was so simple and you relied on him to actually do that. It just came across. So I was like, you don't need much. <laughs> you don't need much for a man who's willing to put on a rubber suit and run through the night, just fighting crime. No, he doesn't talk much <laughs> no. as Batman. It is, I'm hiding in the dark, and oh, wait a second, I just strung you up by your feet, and you're hanging from the light post, and, and I'm like, I'm about to interrogate, you're going to tell me what I know, and I'm going to leave. <laughs> That's it. And no it's impressive, no because with your eyes closed, you could tell if Kevin Conroy is doing Batman or Bruce Wayne. Yes. Mm -hmm. And visually, the series is definitely very inspired by the 1989 Batman. You've got kind of those those art deco style the the batmobile is very clearly modeled on the tim burton era batmobile but it's its own property in in many ways and i think the the batman in batman the animated series stands alone i think after after the 1960s adam west batman where you had the classic car when you talked about the vehicle um they did the term the Michael Keaton Batman movie, which was a huge hit at the time. And that iconic stance, and that was 1980s, I think, by the time that came around. Mm -hmm. So you still so just before this came out, but you had never seen a TV adaptation. The so from 1960s, 1970s, you had this very jovial Batman. You had a joking Batman, bright colors, blue, and you know, dance sequences, weird jokes, shark repellent, and even Hanna-Barbera, you would watch Scooby-Doo cartoons, and it meets Batman and Robin. And there was something still quirky about it. When you got to 1992, this is the first time after an, an adaptation that they hit this noir style after Frank Miller's Batman of The Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm which was gritty and dark, violent. Now for children, can't really do that, um, but they still managed to pull it off and there was this darkness. And the first thing I remember, and I think for any fan of the series, is that score. It's that oh, music. Yeah, definitely. That Danny Elfman oh, so introductory good. music. Just the, the first few minutes of any show, uh, when you see Batman the Animated Series, that animated introduction is so strong and sets the tone so much for the episodes because you've got the light and the shadows, that noir style that you're talking about. There's a lot of 
the people are are dark and the only light is you know maybe the the eyes or headlights or a flashlight beam and you have explosions and you have that great score in the background Mm -hmm. and it does it just sets you right up i earlier today watched an episode and i got so excited just watching it and i could remember pretty much frame by frame how that went again not having seen it since the 90s so it's quite impressive without the big flash of kapow bam that musical score hits and for every cymbal crash and beat it's right on point and i think like you said it's so simple of simple colors the characters are in silhouette it may be a street like kind of just tilts and then you just see the shadow of a villain just sitting like tied up the lightning strikes and you just get that one glimpse of batman on the rooftop full color the, the bat symbol in yellow and it goes right back to that dark silhouette just the white eyes of here is your dark night watching you above the city and you never know he's there and that set the tone for i think the batman that we now see today mm-hmm. i have yet to find someone that that strikes me that that brings that nostalgia back it's I've seen it in books and formats, and I love it. I've yet to see it be put back on the screen. Um, the Michael Keaton Batman, if I'm going movies. Oh, I, I love Michael Keaton as Batman. Bar like, Batman 1989 Hands is down. such a good movie. It's so enjoyable. It's really rewatchable. It is. Yeah. Adam, what's your experience with Batman the Animated Series? I, too, saw Younger, I can't recall exactly when, but I do re- remember the series later on. I think when it was more along with like Superman, when they were comboing it, and I think I'd watched the Superman a bit more at the time. The Adventures of Batman and Superman, I think. Yeah. The, so yeah. I think it was on the WB forty nine. Um, yep. Yeah, they kind of repackaged the yes. earlier Batman episodes into that, and so I think that's where I first came across it, and then. Maybe about a year ago, my kids have been watching some shows like uh, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie or The Wild Kratts, and they're fun. They're really good shows, but I got tired of it. And If You Give a Mouse a Cookie, Batman. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> and so I did at one point, I think I showed my daughter one, and she was four at the time. And <laughs> yeah, my wife kind of was looking at me funny, like, really? And I, I made sure it was the first one. I think that's with Catwoman in there. Mm-hmm. And so like we watched it and then like my daughter said she had a bad dream. So we cut Batman out for like a couple weeks and and I was a little disappointed because, you know, give, if you give him also cookies, a fine show, but you just get tired of it. You should have given her Adam West Batman. Uh, maybe I, I should <laughs> the dancing. Yes. <laughs> But I brought it. She came up to me the one day. And she's like, "I want to watch Batman again." So we started, and that's become like a, a kind of a regular routine. If they've been good, we don't watch a lot of TV. Like maybe before bed, which sometimes isn't the best choice. We'll try to be like, "All right, we got to get it a little earlier so they're not watching like Clayface decimate someone." Mm-hmm. And um, but that's kind. Of, and they've honestly watched probably more than I have. In because it's like I'll get them to watch it. I'll watch a little, but we're trying to clean dishes and stuff. So I, I've been able to like catch it and i'm like oh this is so good and just i I hear everything you're saying with the character and i I was wondering too like what you think as far as so like it's an iconic batman do you think the show do you think batman's better or the villains are better 
Like oh, ooh, the villains the are they, really good. They design them, they the stories for them because they approach the villains with so much more sympathy than I would have expected. And that first episode that that you mentioned, Catwoman is basically an eco-terrorist in that one. She's trying to ruin some plans for development and steal things so that she can fund, I believe, a wild cat sanctuary. Very yeah. appropriate. And <laughs> I mean, that was her love affair of yeah. anything cat. Yep. It was <sighs> And and the show is not down on her for what she's trying to do. It's that her methods are wrong. How she's doing yeah. it. Yeah. There's a joke with Batman of you have these villains and can you have one without the other? But the joke is if you actually look at someone like you take poison Ivy, here's a woman who's developed her life to science to better mankind through plant life, to let the world grow. And she's willing to go through any means. Who's the person stopping her? It is a philanthropist playboy millionaire <laughs> who runs the entire city. It, it's a weird take on things. I'm oh, like, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, you're also an eco-terrorist <laughs> who will do anything. Heart's in the right place. <laughs> but unfortunately, you're also willing to possibly kill somebody to do it. <laughs> yeah, I just think of like Mr. Freeze when they had him. And, you know, he's just he was trying to help his wife who happened to be in uh, a oh, cryogenic of- stasis yeah. from an ill an uncurable disease right and then the billionaire owner is like i don't like this i'm gonna shut you down and then through that the accident happens and he gets injured and he becomes mr freeze and he just wants to he's angry at people so i don't want to get that wrong it's he i I, the care when you asked me that question like the character the villains and i was like oh man what came became better that is that's a really tough call for me because they've all gone and completely different directions the animated series i think you said they gave a lot of sympathy to those characters and mr freeze is one of the biggest and it wasn't even bruce who did it but it was his company he didn't want to shut it down but he didn't know he's like oh this is what happened this is why he is the way he is and he actually i think he he sympathizes with him oh yeah yeah because batman in the the final scene of that episode that first mr freeze episode i believe the the guy who had shut down the the whole thing with mr freeze's wife is kind of semi encased in ice and batman just walks past him and dismissively goes humanitarian because like he had been getting some humanitarian award and like batman's having none of it i love it none he batman like i think the animated series was also the first time that you also see kind of except for the comic books and also the 1960s you start to get the sense of this moral code that he has because like book wise in from i think the the original detective comics batman would kill <laughs> he was a dark figure it was something to combat the the good-natured you know boy scout of superman it was something completely different that really took off with people but this is the first time you started to see a batman that's like i'm not gonna kill you i don't have to save you and you can get yourself out of this predicament because you kind of put yourself here mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he's also trying to freeze half the city. That's where I am going to step in and kind of just put my foot down. Let's stop. (laughs) Maybe I'm going to knock you out. I don't know. But we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, how often, like, if some, uh, you think of the different villains who it's some, the Joker. 
Joker so many times has almost oh, yeah. fallen to his death, and Batman will catch him. And he'll be like, Betsy, save me. <laughs> and Batman will do it because he's got the moral coat. Like he's he's not willing to push it beyond. He's like, no, stop. Like Well, and and while we're talking villains in the animated series, Harley Quinn was invented for and in Batman the Animated Series. And that's a character that at this point has had multiple movies in which she's a leading character that don't even include Batman. I think they had one brief scene in Suicide Squad, and it wasn't even with her. (laughs) (laughs) And I think Marabi does an amazing job with that character. I have not seen the newest one, Um, but I, I think the the adaptations of where they go and and how they treat her can go a little wonky for some, and I think Harley Quinn has become one of the most character growth and developed wise characters for DC Comics. She went, she has gone through a massive change over the years. And if you watch, and that's one of the things I loved about that character, Stockholm Syndrome, just all over the place from psychiatrists, seems well-grounded until you get into her backstory of family life, gets with the Joker, totally split personality, and then it starts to turn into this sense of growth of, you're being abused. And the I still, I think the comic was written, New 52, Scott Snyder, you start to, you really see the split because she beats the crap out of the Joker. <laughs> and... That's where she goes anti-hero and they start to change her. And I remember going to comic cons and I remember seeing a lot of female fans dress up as her. And it was a totally different vibe. This is not the same Harley we are dealing with. And it was awesome to watch because she was a badass and you're watching her on part. I'm like, this is the best Harley I've seen. I like this version of Harley. This is, and it wasn't even just her. You, I think animated series was the first time you... I, I think is the first time you also see the uh, Poison Ivy-Harley connection. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they would connect um, a couple that, uh, times. That Thelma and Louise <laughs> vibe. And they even built on f- of that from that from comics to Gotham City Sirens. This little bit of playful love affair between the two of them that does turn out. And I think right now HBO Max has their version of Harley Quinn. And they just go for it. <laughs> and I'm like, finally. <laughs> you finally pulled the trigger. Thank you. Just thank you. Just say it outright. And go with it. No one's hurt by it. We were just kind of waiting for this moment. And the characters are better for it. People can relate. That's the one thing I, I think that all comic book fans want. They want to get lost in a story they want a moment that they can relate to a character they want a moment that something connects or emotionally just drives them to keep reading and that's what makes it interesting and that's what makes a fan and for me that's that's what batman brought i and that's what comic books brought in general i would get lost in things of story arcs and and i think from in when i was a teenager my biggest thing was actually calvin and Hobbes. I love I, the imagination 
And that's what drove me to want to do more comic books and draw heroes. And I remember having books from Stan Lee and books on on drawing how to draw the Marvel way and, you know, structures. And it just drives you and pushes you. And you're like, I think every kid growing up has this moment. They they want to be the hero. Whoever the hero is, they still want that. They want that good they want that good story ending or they want to come out on top. And I think that's 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 the true meaning of a fan. It's it's the association and the celebration of of that book, that reading and staying true to it. So Dan, what are some of your favorite episodes? Well, the animated series, I'm my I'm going to go with Beware the Grey Ghost. Almost got him. And I'm going to screw up the title name of this one. I want to say Fall from Grace, but that was... You can look it up if that you was, like. That was I, the I can, new... I can edit around that. I, I almost don't want to... I don't want to... I don't want to count it because it's the new adventures. It's mm, after mm-hmm. season two. But I just like how they played it of the worst case scenario of Batman. Um, but I will say The Grey Ghost. And the reason being is the pulling in the generational gap of fans that are Batman fans. Uh, this particular episode which I think was season season one, episode 18. Don't hold me to that. <laughs> um, actually featured Adam West. Oh, really? Uh, you know, 1960s Batman, Burt Ward, Robin. And I remember being a fan of Batman as a kid, and I remember one of the things that was odd to me was my, like, my dad. Mm-hmm talking to me about like he would see me reading comic books or see me watching the cartoons like and he would pick up on things and he'd say and he would look at it oddly as if he knew what was going on he's like this reminds me of like dick tracy or the fan and me being a kid i'm like what are you talking about i don't know who's dick tracy and he would try and explain it he's like this is batman though dad like come on like not the same thing (laughs) and i never dad you don't know this is batman (laughs) and it wasn't until later in life that i'm like oh my god i totally see what he's talking about now and to see adam west come in as this character that has this green hornet phantom like character and you see kevin conroy voice acting with him and the animation styles of them talking and how Bruce Wayne as a child is like, I grew up watching the TV shows, the movies. And you're like, you are one-on-one experiencing what is happening in, in time with yourself watching this episode. You are seeing the love affair of a character and an icon that hit you in some way as I'm sitting there watching it and you, you connect with it. And it was also from 1960s to now 1992, you're pulling in another Batman, a completely different take on something that has completely changed and in a different way from bright and vibrant and, and joking and, you know, to dark and noir and, they're acting together and they're playing off each other. And it was so great to see. And I love that with, with anybody who's a comic book fan, I love it, especially nowadays 
when they pull those same characters back in. Unfortunately, we lost Adam West, um, but one of the recent ones, uh, CW, uh, the Arrowverse. I'm also a huge Green Arrow fan, and you know, tattoo of legal League of Assassins on my arm here. They actually crossed over, and they actually finally gave him a chance to act out a, an actual Bruce Wayne. And you hear the voice again, live action, and you watch him. And that was the most exciting thing for me. And I'm like, I'm hearing the voice, and I'm actually seeing a Bruce Wayne that takes me straight back. And I'm like, that's why I put him right on the list. And I'm like, that's a Batman. That's my Batman. <laughs> and there's some kid now watching who's, you know, I'm I'm almost 36. Hopefully, there's some 13 year old kid going, this is awesome. Like, I don't know who this guy is, but I want to go, I want to see this guy, you know, and it just, it crosses generations and it brings a whole new audience in. And it also takes them to want to explore the past as well as keep going to the future. That's crazy. They would do that around episode 18. I mean, if it was nine, whatever number, like to have that, you know, connection. I mean, it's almost like, I don't know if they just had a lot of, to, to have that idea of like here you're the fan looking at the show as batman's talking to this character in that same way and it's like that's really cool you know yeah. for that show at that time again episode an early episode it's not something that they waited on where some things they build it up for a bit so you get into it it's like yeah let's go for it and i feel like the show did a lot of nice things with that with just i don't know between the story elements between the characters um i think they were willing to try a lot of different things and yeah there, there are nods to what came before there are ways to bring in the other fans i when we were taking a, a short off-air break dan mentioned that batman the animated series starts without an origin story you just dive right in and batman is batman you almost you we, we keep getting new movies of Batman. Uh, Robert Patterson's movie is coming up next, and we just got done with uh, Ben Affleck. And I feel like I'm still doing Christian Bale, and but every single movie always gives you an origin story. And the weird part is, generational gap-wise, it's like, I don't really need the origin story anymore. I just need you to make a good story. You forgot that Batman's parents were gunned down and that led to him becoming <laughs> Right. Like this is like this is this this basis down of, in Crime Alley. Right. I mean it's almost uh We can start maybe a week after the right. funeral or something like that. I don't know if that's a little dark, but <laughs> if we're jumping comic book companies, Spider-Man, I've enjoyed with the new Marvel uh, cinematic universe where this Peter Parker, we've never seen Uncle Ben killed. Not since Tobey Maguire. No, I mean, well, and didn't Andrew Garfield? Did the or the parents die? I thought there was something, or there was a mention. Oh boy. I'm failing. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> but like, it's it's just been like he kind of alluded to it. I think in the first scene of like with Civil War when he's talking to Tony in his bedroom, and that was it. But like, we know what happened to Spider Man. Exactly. Like, yes. We know why is this way. We know what happened to Batman, and that's what is nice with this animated series. Is it's just we're having a character. And we're bringing a story into it, and enjoy it, or don't, and watch the next one. The thing is, they they go back. You they have they they do event, like they finally show you, but it's like you already knew. Mm -hmm. But now the characters has to go through a struggle. Um, I can't think of the title of the episode, it, and where Batman is, it's him versus the Mad Hatter, and he is, I believe, drugged, and he's reliving 
he's real he's reliving the moments of the death i think it's the death of his parents but it's what if he went a different way what if he didn't go on this path of justice vengeance he didn't become the dark knight and he's struggling with himself of i don't want this anymore for myself what happens if i push this aside and i can move on it's kind of a sad episode because he does go back to being the bat in the sense of like, man, he could have had a happy life, which had he dealt with his grief probably healthily. <laughs> Not punching guys. You know, I'm just like, I like the, like the Christian Bale move. I fall in a cave of bats, but now like I'm using my fear of bats to fight the enemy. And it's like, or you could have seen a counselor, <laughs> you know, just I'm like, there's, there's a comic book in which it's Alfred and you find out that Alfred has been hiring actors to play all the villains just to let him just fulfill this fantasy. And you're just like, who are these actors and why would they put themselves through this? Why would, why would you just let this guy run around with these delusions <laughs> that it's it's a little it's sad it's a little sad at the same time well in the animated series is not afraid to have a lot of sad elements there's much more regret and sadness and you have missed opportunities that people deal with and that than i would have expected uh phantom uh what's the movie it's the uh, phantom Phantom. menace Phantom Men- is it Phantom Men- No, that's, that's Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> that's Star Wars. Wrong one. Uh, Sorry, everyone. Uh, <laughs> I'll edit that out so we don't get angry emails. <laughs> oh, no, we can keep it in. <laughs> we have um, such a it carries over. I can picture it. And it really goes into Batman's relationship. Kind of what of he's willing um, to give it up Paul Dini for the woman he wrote. loves. It's, he can take Paul Dini, writer for this series, animated series, working for WB at the time would uh continues to do uh you had mentioned the adventures of superman the adventures of batman and superman um eventually the thing that i used to love was batman beyond in which you see an older bruce wayne and a new batman take over you see almost a batman that's kind of not given up just he knows his place this is who he is this is what he's done and this is who he has to be, and he's not going to compromise. Anybody who's ever taken that place, whether it's been Robin or tried to do this, like they always want to be better than him because they don't want to end up being so cold. They're willing to almost deal with that emotion of loss and and struggle because they don't want to be Bruce. At the same time, they know they need to be there for Bruce Wayne because if they are, if any of the Robins are not there. You don't know where he's going to end up. Every single one of them is almost a is a different variant of himself or could be a better or worse variant of Batman. And that's what makes it interesting that for a man who's on this crusade of justice by himself surrounds himself with everybody. <laughs> and you're like, you know, you've told your secret a lot more than you think you have. <laughs> Do you want to know my secret identity? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, I look at it as funny when you watch the uh, Christian Bale first movie and you see Christian Bale and I can't, uh, I can't think of the actress's name. Uh, character was Rachel Dawson. Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes. Thank you. And they're talking and he, she tells them this line and then he's in a bat costume and he says it back to her and her eyes light up. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, 
why? What were you thinking? <laughs> like, this is exactly, like, she put it together in two seconds. It, it's not hard to figure out, which I kind of yeah. have to laugh at a little bit. Yeah. But that's also kind of the humor of conflict. It's an, it's a fantasy. It's it's yeah. it's the realm of impossibility. <laughs> Let's talk about one of your other favorite episodes, Almost Got Him. Ooh, Almost Got Him. How would you describe this? Almost Got Him is an interesting episode in the fact that this doesn't focus on Batman. At least not until the twist of the ending. Um, I loved... I, I Almost Got Him is an interesting episode because it starts off with these major villains sitting in this, uh, I'm going to say almost billiards parlor club sitting around a table playing poker. And they're all kind of coming in. You see uh, killer croc, two face Joker penguin, and eventually poison Ivy, I believe joins up and they're sitting around this, this table telling stories of how they almost got Batman. The story kind of goes through, and as there, and the thing I loved is there's weird details to the episodes, or to the episode as it progresses, and they've stripped away everything. If you look at the animation sequences, they are focusing specifically on the villains, while in the background it's also there's no details. You don't see. You don't see tables or faces or anything. You're just kind of seeing shadows and things like that go on. Uh, I think Killer Croc shows up and like tosses a guy out of a chair and just kind of. Which I think you see only in silhouette. Is only in silhouette, and shows up and kind of plants himself down. And eventually, you know, Poison Ivy shows up to the table. You know, trench coat but still green dress, red hair. You know, just commanding the room like she always does. And just looking at these this group of guys, and I'm like, I can own any of you. <laughs> and they go through these stories, and it's I'm going to and you and as they play cards, you see these little weird little details, which I thought were awesome. Of you see Two Face holding a set of cards. Everything's doubles. Oh, everything's a Joker and a Joker. Everything is a two and a two. You see you see the Joker playing cards and he's constantly cheating. <laughs> he's constantly just taking oh, yeah. cards out of his wrist and just, Oh yeah, I've got this. And they start to tell these stories. And I think the, I think the first one is poison Ivy and how she almost got Batman. And there's an interview with Paul Dini and he talks about it. And it's interesting because at the time they were airing, it was Christmas. They weren't, they and Christmas time is a time of joy and you can't do these things. And, you know, and it shows Batman and she's telling the story of she was supposed to be like destroying Christmas trees. <laughs> like, how dare you cut down these Christmas trees for, you know, Christmas celebration? Like, we can't air this. <laughs> and so it's they're in a pumpkin patch and they're all set to explode. So, so they changed it for that. They reason. changed it for <laughs> oh, that reason. That's great. <laughs> you know, and. So they go through this and, you know, it's how, and I forgot how it ends of, you know, him, him winning the, winning the battle. And he uses the remote on his belt, uh, uh, on his uh, utility belt to get (laughs) the Batmobile to come over and kind of chase her away and crushes crushes all the pumpkins and and she still loses her mind. And he has a gas mask. (laughs) She's like, 
I loved Poison Ivy. I think she's an awesome character, especially now. But I loved how like she would get distraught in like watching anything di- like get crushed, flower, anything like it just killed her inside. Like the you would watch her eyes just kind of get bags under, and like she would become like almost wrecked over watching something. So to see like these pumpkins, there's like I grew these like my babies. She like um and. He's just like, I'm just going to drive over them. I have no choice. <laughs> They're going to explode anyway. I don't know why you're so upset. You're just, you're blowing them up. So, um, the, and so then it's Penguin, you know, talking about, you know, how he has him and he sets, I thought it was, a, I think when I was a kid, I thought it was an emu. <laughs> it was something weird. It was yeah. a giant, really aggressive I think bird. It's a cassowary. Ca- thank you. Wow, Fletcher. <laughs> I just watched the episode today. I can't take too much credit. <laughs> Is it a real bird? It is yeah. a real bird. It's wow. like one of the most bird. violent birds. It was the... fierce in that one. And, and how did he? <laughs> he stabs it with a hummingbird. <laughs> Which, I love. Which had a poisoned beak. Yeah. Yes. He's... In that aviary of doom. doom. <laughs> Which like, I love how the other villains call out Penguin for calling it an aviary <laughs> of doom. Right. Everything with birds aspect. Yeah, like, I mean, really? to be honest, this is also a group that eventually, like, some of them get together. It's like, we are the Legion of Doom. <laughs> like, they, they don't have much to work on with any of them. Uh, but yeah, he escapes somehow, like, you know, I'll get you again. And he flies off with his umbrella helicopter that I don't know how that thing lifts him somehow because he's a portly <laughs> man. Um, but, and then it goes to Two Face. And Two-Face is telling his story. And I always like Two-Face because, you know, there's a set, like we said, there's sympathy behind these characters. And Two-Face is an interesting one because Harvey Dent, who was the alter ego of Two-Face, or half, literally half thereof, was like best friends of Bruce Wayne. He's fighting his best friend who's, he can't reform. And the, there's a split personality to story with him of having to make a choice with the flip of a coin constantly. And that's kind of the way Bruce or Batman deals with it. If he can take away that choice, Two-Face loses it. Like he doesn't know what to do with himself if he cannot flip that coin. So you take the coin away and he's, he's just stuck. Well, <laughs> and, and I love how Two-Face's approach to trying to kill Batman is to tie him to a giant oversized <laughs> coin and try and flip it. Yeah, and if it flips up, he lives. If it squashes him, he dies. Like, you could just kill him, <laughs> you know, and but it's it's Harvey Dent is almost like that weird sense of justice. The district attorney, it is. It's the balancing act. It also almost takes away the, I think it almost takes the guilt away from Two-Face mm-hmm. on if he actually had to choose because now I have to look at something and I'm like, oh yeah, what if you do kill Batman? You remove the mask and you find out it's your best former best friend. And now you're sitting there like, what have I done? Or maybe maybe it does reform it. Maybe you need to. I don't, like, can you have the bat without having the villains or can you have the villains without having the bat? Just before I forget, there's a, a great little almost throwaway line at the end of that where they say what happened to the, the, the giant coin, coin? And they say ah they, they, they let, let them keep it, it. <laughs> <laughs> which is a great throwback to all sorts of older batman lore if you ever look at the bat cave that he's got amongst the cars and the bat computer in the cave the weird trophies he has there's a giant penny there's a t-rex 
No one questioned where any of these things went. <laughs> where was the T-Rex from? I think it's a Joker reference. Okay. I just don't remember which one. one. And there's some fan out there like, how do you not know yeah. this? And, but yeah, he just sits there at the table. He's like, and he can believe it. They let him keep it. <laughs> and you're like, actually, that's kind of an odd thing to let just a random stranger keep. That's r-. And also, how did he get, like, how did he how move did, it? How did you move you it? You don't how need did you to know it? any of that. Who did he talk to? Did Gordon just roll it down the street? Did, wh- if they went into more detail, it wouldn't be as it much wouldn't fun. Be as Where did you deliver perfect. the coin? Yeah. Oh. Oh, now we know where Batman is. <laughs> yeah, right? There's there's some details that we've missed here. It's like, what did we do with the evidence off yeah. of this crime? It's but like it is uh it vanished. It's a fun little yeah. <laughs> then it goes to one of my my favorite parts is Killer Croc. Yes. Killer Croc, and it's the one line, and he's getting ready to tell his story, and he just looks at him and goes, and I threw a rock at him. <laughs> and they're looking at him like, and then what? And he has nothing. It was a big rock. It was a big rock. (laughs) (laughs) And they're just like, you got to be kidding me. This this clown is a moron. And that leads into something at the episode i don't want to i don't know if i should how far i should well go i think that's that. like we don't yeah. have to spoil it but, but i don't want to spoil it goes i mean we're talking a ni- i mean we're, right. we're talking 1992 here i though. would say because of that line and then what you find out later it, it it's so good yeah. it is it, it, it leads makes- from the very beginning of what happens of the entrances to that one moment to how like how all the characters acted towards each other mm-hmm. there's a moment where you realize poison ivy and, and harvey dent are talking and I forgot what her line is to him. And she's like, it's something along the lines of, do you like what you see? Or do you want something? Would you like something else? Or And she just looks to like Joker or Penguin. She's like, we used to date. And it's true. Pamela Ivy and Harry Dent used to date. It's like, oh, this is awkward. Like, you two are both murderous villains sent, you know, hell bent on killing the same man. And yet you couldn't even work out that relationship. She tells him he looks halfway decent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But and part of the reason that I don't want to spoil that episode is because I think if someone hasn't seen Batman the Animated Series, that is a perfect entry point. They're, they're, I think it's actually a better entry point than the first episode. I think you're right. Because it's a nice little there's there's one capsule thing with a lot of the different villains. The, you get a sense the of the style. The details in the animation, again, if you poke focus in on it, are so awesome, especially when you get to that ending. And like we talked about with the intro the simplicity of it the light changing and you finally see things and you're like oh my gosh and i'm like now i get it and it, it turns itself around I, I wonder do you think there's has there been any live action one that has lived up to the animated or is like because I, I kind of i jump into spider-man again I think the spider-man into the spider-verse is probably the best spider-man movie it's I've one seen. of my favorites totally agree where I'm, I'm loving Tom Holland. Yeah. I think they're all good, but something about the way that movie, because it's like a comic book. This is what I, it's the animation. They do such cool things with it. When you watch Batman, the animated series, the like you, you talk about like the lighting, all this, they can do that with film. You can put more into it. Yeah. And it's a comic. Like, again, it's, it's a comic book and I'm cool with the live action. They're fun, exciting, but they're, I guess, just having grown up reading comic books, it is something better about the animation in a way that I didn't realize until like I'd watched the Spider-Man one into the Spider-Verse. And I was like, oh, this is so good. And I've watched it so many times with my kids. 
And having watched Batman now, I'm getting like, I think this is better than like the, the live versions I've seen over the years. And it's, yeah. So do you guys feel the same? Or I do. I love the animated series. And again, it's not something that I've rewatched much. I, I've seen, I think, two episodes since I was a kid, but it holds up. And in my mind, it's very, it has staying power. It, it, it I think I like the word staying power. I think that the Michael, like, well, Michael Keaton's Batman was a close was the that noir style you have after that you went to val kilmer and george clooney <laughs> the uh, what i call the uh the it, Batmobile. it went off the rails <laughs> i call the batmobile nike shoe uh, and the bat nipples <laughs> of the greco-roman armor that made that uh the bat nipples and then it went to christian bale if you I, i'm gonna strike the Val Kilmer and George Clooney from the scenario, even though I have a very close run of mine that cherishes this movie. Although I will say this, the villains in there, I loved. I think just watching a Jim Carrey as a Riddler mm-hmm. is fun. Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze and uh, Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy, fun. Batman missed the mark for me. Not to say that George Clooney can't play a Batman or a Bruce Wayne. It, it's that flip, mm-hmm. but there's also something very like it was almost a cross of you're trying to be dark, but you're trying to be bright, and you're making stupid jokes that don't need to be made. <laughs> My favorite take on that is that the fan theory that the Val Kilmer and George Clooney Batman is the entertainment for the people who live in the michael keaton batman universe so they're watching a fictionalized version of the real batman that they experience the thing i relate that george clooney batman to is kind of the adam west batman series Mm -hmm. it's that it's the we're gonna throw in a little disco and you know we're gonna you know i can almost see uh uma thurman pulp fiction dance sequences hers poison ivy thrown right in there for no reason i mean arnold schwarzenegger sings i mr white <laughs> louder like it, it, there's look, okay like uh but it just throws you completely off so i go from michael keaton to christian bale Michael Keaton had that new I think through the noir thing in there was something a little there was there's a darkness there Christian Bale what I remember the most about his acting in the first one and I still think the first one is my favorite is the realism of can could you pull this off that was the thing I remember as a kid it was he's human at the end of the day Batman is human this is a man who has taken on gods. There is no power. There is, he is human. He is supposed to be a detective, detective comics. He is a martial artist. He uses, he's using wit over maybe all natural strength, even though he probably works out, you know, five times a day and is pumping iron. You see that movie. And you're watching the gadgets and you're like, yeah, if I had money and I can build a grappling gun that's going to lift me through the rooftops, I absolutely would. I tried to when I was at like eight. <laughs> like, <laughs> How'd that go? <laughs> I, 
I didn't go from I didn't go from the actual roof of my house, but you know, I, I did stop myself from rolling down a few hills. So. <laughs> I do love the question that the Flash asks Batman. Well, Batman's answer to uh, "What's your superpower?" Oh, yes, I'm rich. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Dini, after going through all these things, and you, uh, what led to after Batman and Superman uh, led to the Justice League Unlimited, uh, and you started to really introduce characters that people weren't playing around with, or they were, but you know, Batman and Superman have always been at that forefront. And that intro of, I, I love it when a character questions Batman. And there's, I think it's, there's a movie that they do. And it's the first interactions of between all the heroes. And it's Green Lantern and Batman. And they're wandering around in the sewer. And he's asking him these questions. And he's kind of flying behind. He's like, oh, so what's your power? Night vision? Do you Can you fly? Can you do this? And he doesn't say anything he's like please do not tell me you're just a man in a bat costume <laughs> and batman turns around and just smirks at him and he's like are you kidding me i'm fighting aliens with just a guy in a suit and but then all of a sudden batman holds up this one ring he holds up his ring he goes so and he just completely breaks the ring down he goes and it depowers green lantern and he tosses he's like don't you ever do that again and he's like <laughs> only if i want to that's batman mm -hmm. it's those moments it's like i'll do what i want you're not gonna like it but i'll get the job done it, once again a man on par with gods he's not immortal he can be killed they could all of them could probably destroy him but it's a man who can have a contingency plan who's out thinking them 10 steps or even farther ahead because he doesn't, he's not trying to rely completely on strength or rushing in. It's all thought out beforehand, and he's he's good at playing things against each other. <laughs> so, Dan, you, you have the art background. When you look at the animated series, and it, it did change over the years, like oh. from the season one to the final one. Um, what were your thoughts on overall, like how they designed it, how they created that? I think it was an awesome take because you finally got to see that noir dark style of something a little more violent. And you were talking about the change of that style. And Fletcher, you and I were discussing earlier of the fact that once it went after season two, it kind of became this weird abstract art. But they also changed a lot of characters. You, But you also lost something. He loses that yellow emblem on his chest it goes to a completely dark black and gray suit the lines are very much straighter and you it it didn't feel right it almost stripped like you don't need a lot of detail to tell a story but it almost like washed it out uh a friend of mine who uh when i was growing up who actually gave me the dark knight returns by frank miller and i'm trying to think of the book he did next he he would be he would yell at Frank Miller because he's like, Great, Frank Miller found Photoshop. All the little sketchy things that he would do in the book were somehow stripped away. And it was like for him, it was just it, it was just all even though it wasn't highly detailed, there was just enough that you didn't need it. So then to have this to so for him when reading that book and you see like just big splotches of color that were with no line work. And it's like, 
why did he do this this way? And it was kind of the same way for this transition to the new, to the new adventures of just like, you put so much effort into just telling the story of just making the light of the colors do something for the silhouettes too, even though you didn't need to, you know, put in a lot of detail to the artwork, you made the music speak for it. And you made, you made it somehow cohesively come together that it produced something so nicely. So the fact that when you went to after season two, it was like something was missing. It, while you were still trying to develop characters and we and I completely understand that because there were characters that I loved after it you started to see Dick Grayson become Nightwing and Tim Drake enter and Batgirl and you started to see this there was an element of of artistic quality that somehow got lost and then I think I don't know if it's budget I don't know what what it happened I think it started to come back after the fact as when they started doing you started to see other characters come in, other shows develop, Justice League Unlimited, uh, Batman Beyond, Static Shock. They kind of brought it back. They kind of spun it back because I think they realized we had something. This is we, Batman, the animated series, is an Emmy winning, Emmy winning show. Four times, like for a reason. It worked. <laughs> they pulled something off that was amazing and people loved. Whether or not it was for children, that's a debatable question. My wife, yes, <laughs> she, she debates that. It's I had seen something somewhere on the internet. Truth, I'm not, I'm not sure. But like in the early, the first season, the first episode with Mister Freeze. If you look at it, I guess the way the animators they hand drew like it was something crazy with the helmet because it's the frost inside it. Mm -hmm. So they supposedly there's like this subsidiary company that was involved in this, and they like hand drew every because of the frost they, they couldn't just like easily reproduce it they had to hand draw wow. every and i think it like put them out of <laughs> like it just cost so much money happening. to do but yeah you look at those details in and that's those, what i wanted to do when i was season. growing up as a kid yeah i was like i wanted to be the guy who was sitting at his desk just drawing a bunch of like just turn your head like three degrees turn it again turn it again turn it again and just draw that why would i want to do that i don't know but it just gave an artistic quality to something that I've been working on. Mm -hmm. I know how this character is supposed to move. Like you get into it that you, whether or not you're working on a main character, you've done it so many times. It's almost repetition. So it flows better by my hand. Sure. I could click a mouse and I could do this. And listen, once you, now we have computers that can from point A to point B, just move a character in any which way you want. Could you draw it? <laughs> that that that's that's what I was wondering. Can we go backwards? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if we can. I I miss it a little bit. I there's a some people you know it's kind of like the whole notion of do records produce a better auto audio quality than a CD, an MP3, a digital file? I don't know because I'm not that tuned to music. But for me, I I do miss that aspect of animation style. It, uh, I was in college and I had a artistic. I had an artist friend who loved Courage the Cowardly Dog, and that artist used to draw everything frame by frame. And I remember he would talk to me about. It. I was like, "Wait, are you serious?" And I was like, "This is an older cartoon. I'm in college. I'm like, someone still does this." He goes, "He does it." Wow. And I'm like, "That's awesome." I didn't think anybody like that existed because I'm sitting here in a dark room with Photoshop, constantly just editing photos with a click of a mouse, and it 
kind of drove me nuts. I missed sitting there with a pencil. I think that's why I love the comic book aspect. Someone had to sit there and draw it. Mm-hmm. It had to go through stages. You had to develop your characters. You had to develop. You had to have a writer develop your storyline. You had to then find a way to make every panel work, flow, tell a story, hand it off to a guy who can ink everything, put your shadows in. Then someone has to go and color everything, put that in correctly, which probably is now digital, and and have it cohesively come together to produce this twelve-page story for you to issue to for you to enjoy whereas i can't now i can't necessarily go back maybe you save your images and stuff like that on a file but and I, I know you can do that with a lot of cartooning now where it's like i drew it once why not reuse it mm-hmm. i find that a little sad like you're just gonna retake your image again and just like oh he was already posed this way i'm gonna put it back in there i'm like don't you miss the drawing? Isn't that why you got into it into, for, into the first place? Right, the craft of it, the creation, exactly. the, the, the hands-on aspect. And maybe I'm being artistically snooty. I don't know. <laughs> I, I wonder, yeah, I wonder if there's, is there anything, whether it's Batman or another animated series of some sort that you find nowadays that's probably being done through computers, through a tablet of some sort. Is there anything that lives up to that? trying to think that what style I've been watching lately <sighs> or just not even that style but just something where you're like wow that's so cool what they do because i have a friend like uh we've had him on the show before uh another dan who loves the turtles and he loves like the different iterations they've had where they are it's computer probably mm-hmm. drawing but he loves the different takes they've done and how like the newest one i know on nickelodeon they're like different shapes kind of and very edgy and they've got kind of I don't know if anime is the right way to say it, but I'm a huge anime fan. That's a whole different episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An episode of probably doesn't want to ever want to go into. <laughs> oh man. I, I have, I have like a, it's, I would, you were talking about turtles. I remember growing up and having those, like the weird pizza hut tapes or I don't know, like the eight, <laughs> the, the eighties cowabunga dude. And you know, <laughs> I'm going to throw a Domino's pizza in your face. And the, the, once again, colors, bright purple, orange, red, and blue. And uh, 2000, I think it was actually Fox again that developed the turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And they had this edge to them. They made them mus- more muscular, but I really liked it. It, it kind of had that almost '90s vibe of comic books to me that that I think now is a little overplayed because it was so anatomically incorrect. <laughs> uh, '90s comic books went through this weird period of everything had to be larger. Like it didn't. It, it, so many bulging muscles and bulging, veins. There were and, there yeah, were muscles on muscles that didn't make any sense. Well, people couldn't draw feet for some reason. <laughs> feet. I, I, I'm an artist. I, I drawing. I still can't draw hands. I don't. I hate like there's weird features that I give them credit for. But yeah, the '90s. Uh, trying to think. Scott Campbell, huge for uh, Gen 13. Is that? But he still draws the same way he always does. And there's the feature. But I think that's the whole point of a comic book is the fact that you're supposed to embellish those features. I have you know uh, Stanley and uh, Stanley's drawing the Marvel way. They're not human beings. They're superheroes. <laughs> they're, you have a standard, you know, five foot seven to six foot human being. Yeah, Captain America is probably supposed to be around seven foot tall. 
he's supposed to be more than life. He's supposed to kind of dominate the area, but so is the villain. Uh, but I think that's what, uh, if we're going back to artistic style, that's kind of why I liked anime. Hmm. Certain animes, and not to say that characters in other comic books don't do this, I never realized when drawing it was the perspective of animation of how much you can play with it and how powerful certain aspects can become of when designing a character is physics of force versus a, a smaller object. I could have a seven foot muscular character that's taking on this, a bullet train. It looks awesome. I could also draw a character that is maybe four feet tall, maybe a little scrawnier, just jumping into, and it's just that arc of, you know, his movements and the, or her movements and just drops in and the train crushes. And you're like, the physics all of a sudden is a lot more powerful because the stature has been taken away. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait a minute, how strong is this person? <laughs> it almost spooks you a little bit. You're like, I don't know what I'm dealing with. And I, I think that's the pl- I think that's fun. One last question for you, Dan. How have you shared your love of Batman the Animated Series with other people? By talking to too many people in bars about, <laughs> about <laughs> things that they don't want to listen to. No. <laughs> um, this is how I know that you like Batman and I, like Batman the Animated Series because we have talked about it in bars. Th- this is this is true. And, you know, so I know I have some friends that are like, oh, he's going off on a rant again. And but some friends, you know, I until you bring it up, I don't. I think people forget that like, Oh my God, I did watch this and Oh my God, it's so good. And I think especially now uh, with Marvel movies being a huge part, you're seeing a resurgence. And I remember growing up, I don't remember the connections I had with a lot of people that today I'm like, really now you, you love like, Oh, I love this movie. I'm like this, but maybe they never read the comic books, but this was so well done. I'm like, Guess what? You're you're a comic book fan right now, <laughs> and I love seeing that. I'm like, oh, I would never do this. Like, why not? Why wouldn't you pick up the book? Like, why wouldn't you want to know more? There's always a history or a, um, you know, mythology behind it that you probably really enjoy or a connection that you enjoy. And for me, the thing I miss so much right now, and I still have my friends that are are nerdier than I am, are cons. I miss a convention. I miss a Comic-Con. I miss traveling. I miss being able to talk to people and about everything or meeting my favorite characters and heroes and whatnot. And it's, it's sad, but we're in a weird time and place right now. So it's like, you know, always, I, I have a comic book collection. I have things on my walls and toys and all sorts of stuff. And it's, but I surround myself with the things that I love. And, you know, whatever makes me happy. I'm, I'm a full grown adult now. The things that my mom wouldn't buy me out of Toys R Us, I get to buy for myself now. <laughs> That's right. I get to do that. <laughs> Take that, mom. Dan, if any of our listeners want to find you to talk about Batman, where could they connect with you? Uh, they can catch me mostly on Instagram. Uh, I run actually a catering business, Snout Barbecue. You can find me on there. My personal account is actually Black Op Photo. 
um always posting stuff on there and also we do i do do a podcast which we've been on your show before your brain on hops so you can uh go hit us up on there because we're always looking to talk about topics and things that are different than beer and what people get people going well dan thank you you. (laughs) yeah dan thank you so much for joining us today thank you no i had an awesome time Thanks for listening to this episode of the Enthusiasts Guild. You can subscribe and hear all of our episodes through your podcast player of choice. Find us on Facebook at The Enthusiasts Guild, on Twitter at Enthusiast Guild, or contact us at TheEnthusiastsGuild at gmail.com. All right. Same bat time, same, same. bat channel. is Gotham Licious by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, used under a Creative Commons license. 